Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I am so, so excited to be chatting with you guys today. So I wanted to do a little continuation off of the first episode. We had a little intermission with Morning Tea Live for the second episode. And now for the third episode, I want to deepen into my story around how I got to this healing business that I have created from the ground up, which has been a complete dream come true. And I also want to tell the story of me and Yaro. Yaro is my mentor. I began working with her about a year and a half ago, and she has completely changed my life. Shout out to Yaro. So a lot of you were asking about, you know, how I met Yaro. How did I end up being a therapist and a coach. So I want to dive into that a little bit more today. So you have an understanding of who the hell I am and why I know so much about healing. So let's dive in. As I shared with you in the first episode, I went to grad school for clinical social work. Something was still feeling incomplete. Like it was this given, it was a safety net, but it didn't fully light up my soul. So after I graduated in 2016, I went to uh, Silberman School of Social Work in Hunter, New York, or Harlem, New York, sorry, the school is called Hunter, but I went to Hunter in Harlem, New York, and born and raised in New York, technically I was born in Englewood, New Jersey, just because my mom's doctor was across the bridge, but you know, potato, potato basically born and raised in New York. So at this point I was still living in New York. I'm currently living in San Diego and I had graduated in 2016. I went to grad school right after college. I was like, I just want to kind of get the school thing over with. So I knew if I took a break, it would be hard to go back. And then even after grad school, my supervisor tried me to try to convince me to go for my doctorate. And I was like, no more school. I'm done. I'm ready to get out there and help healing the human. So after graduation, got my first job about a year after I took a year off after grad school, I was helping, um, take care of my step grandma who had Alzheimer's was living with her in long Island and then ended up, or actually at that point I was still living in Queens. Yes. I was still living in Astoria, Queens. So I'd moved to the city at this point, which was like a lifelong dream. I had grown up about 30 minutes north of Manhattan. So it was always my dream to live in the city. So I got some city years in Astoria, Queens, which I absolutely loved. And I, let's see, was, okay. So I was taking care of my step-grandmother at this time and was living in Astoria, Queens. And then I got my first job out of grad school and it was for this initiative that the, the city was doing in order to provide mental health services for places in the city that did not have any in place. And so I did a lot of work to create different mental health services in um, a community-based organization. It was an incredibly difficult first job out of grad school. Um, I have many, many stories about this job. It was, uh, it was a shit show for lack of a better word. And I learned a lot. 
Um, I had to deal with a lot. I experienced a lot of trauma during this job. Just, it was really a nightmare, (laughs) not to sound too dramatic, but it really was just God awful. Like just one quick example. It's like, I created all these groups for these elementary school age kids for social skills. And then like halfway through the group, the director was like, Oh, we're going to take you away from the groups. And we want you to go work with these, um, the basketball team. They didn't even know that they were, you know, supposed to be getting counseling and they were so resistant. And so I had to like, stop working with these elementary school age kids in the middle of our group. It was just like completely crazy. Like one day I was serving, you know, cafeteria food. I wasn't actually doing therapy or getting any of my clinical hours. So anyway, long story short, I lasted there about eight months. It was, it was rough. A lot of, a lot of learning to say the least. So after that, I worked at a drug and alcohol facility in Long Island, um, worked with a lot of teens and really loved that job. Had amazing coworkers still struggled a lot with the system and how clinicians were treated and, um, you know, the, the, the broken record story of being overworked and underpaid and not really having the client's best interests at heart. And I was just seeing so much trauma, like such a traumatized system. And I was like, this just doesn't work. And I knew that at that point I wanted to move to California. I had visited San Diego for the very first time. When was it? I want to say February of 2017 and literally landed here. And it was love at first sight. I texted my entire family group chat the night that I landed and was like, guys, I'm moving to San Diego. And they were like, ha ha ha, very funny. And I was like, no, I'm serious. Like, I just feel so at home here. So ended up staying at that job, um, until it was, yeah, basically until it was time to move and, um, basically the universe threw everything at me to the point where I didn't know if I was actually going to make it. So before I moved to San Diego, my mom had passed away. I had met a man who I felt deeply, deeply in love with and thought I was going to marry him and have his babies like the very next day, like truly love at first sight. The only time I've ever actually experienced that. And my step-grandmother who I was taking care of who had Alzheimer's, she also passed away. And it was a lot of stuff happening, a lot of hardship, a lot of pain, a lot of loss. And I still made it a year and a half after I'd first visited. I saved up. I was working six days a week. I was working two jobs. I was at a group practice and then the drug and alcohol facility. And I made it to San Diego. And then I worked at the YMCA. I worked at a DBT clinic, which I'm going to go into on another episode, kind of my, more of my experiences in the therapy world, because there are stories for days of why I left, but long story short, it was really just the same issues over and over and over again. And I was like, okay, it's not just this job. It's like every job I go to, it's the same issues. So it was really defeating because all I wanted to do was be a therapist. I wanted to help people. I wanted to not feel so burnt out and so resentful and mistreated by management and by 
other people that I worked with and just the system at whole. And, um, it was at that point that I had (laughs) discovered, I'm just laughing because my, essentially my TV addiction led me to my coach who has helped me heal my TV addiction. So it's like one big full circle. So (laughs) essentially I was a huge bachelor bachelorette fan. I would watch all the shows, all the seasons, Bachelor in Paradise and Crystal Nielsen, who was a, a contestant on the show. She had posted on her Instagram, Amanda Francis. And at this point, I didn't know who Amanda Francis was. I clicked on it. She was like talking about her book. I looked into her book. I started following her immediately found love with Amanda Francis's work. I think she's amazing. Um, she's such an inspiration to me. I think she's just a fucking badass. So shout out to Amanda Francis. And through that, I ended up going to her book launch party, meeting all these incredible women, shout out to the ladies, you know who you are. And being with those women fucking lit up my soul. I was still in the therapy world at this point. I, you know, did, I knew that I wanted to leave my job. I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. And I had enrolled in one of Amanda Francis's money courses. And through that Facebook group, I had posted like, does anyone know the difference between coaching and therapy, because I saw that Amanda Francis was a therapist by training, but then switched over to life coaching. And I really didn't know the difference. So I was like researching. And one of the women responded in the group and said, my best friend specifically helps therapists transition out of the therapy field and into coaching. And keep in mind in the therapy field, coaching, there was a lot of stigma around it, a lot of taboo, like a lot of resentment because you have to understand in the therapy world, you're going through hours and hours and hours of training and tracking your clinical hours and getting supervised and getting your master's and paying for the licensure and the degree. And like, there's so much money and time and effort and energy that goes into it. And then you go on Instagram and you see these coaches making bank who don't have the masters, who don't have the education, who don't have to do the hours. And so there was a lot of resentment. I didn't know enough about the coaching industry. I didn't even know it existed. I now think back to the time on Instagram before I actually knew the coaching world existed. I'm like, what did I look at on Instagram? Cause now it's like, I look at my fellow coaches. I I'm like, so immersed in the world. So it's funny to think how Instagram existed before I even knew that, you know, the coaching world was there anyway. So Um, She had commented, you know, my best friend does this. I contacted her. I hopped on a discovery call. I basically signed up for this three-month business coaching program. And that discovery call was like the beginning of it all because it truly showed me, okay, I can use my gifts. I can use my passions in a way that actually feels aligned rather than continuing to feel burnt out. And at this point, I had been so desperate to find another way that I had ended up joining an MLM called Amway, if you've heard of them. And that is going to be a separate episode (laughs) because that was one of the most, how do I even describe it? I mean, MLMs have a reputation for a reason and 
I fully believe in all my heart that I was meant to experience it because it actually prepared me in a weird, strange way for the business I have now. Not because my business is anything like an MLM, just to clarify, but in terms of the things that we were required to do, like you know, we were discouraged from watching TV and focusing on building our businesses and reading more and, you know, talking to people and essentially doing discovery calls and, you know, having a mentor. And so it was like, the universe was like inching me closer, you know, like, okay, the therapy world's not feeling aligned. Let's get you a little bit closer to having your own business, but this business is not quite aligned. So let's get you a little bit closer. So anyway, back to that book launch party that Amanda Francis had, I was surrounded by these coaches, these women who were doing incredible things with their own businesses. They were happy. They were fulfilled. They were in alignment. They were making all this money. They were just like living this life. And it just truly filled me up just being around that energy. It was an energy that I had never experienced before. And I made some connections with people who I'm still friendly with to this day. And it really showed me what was possible. I was like, if these women can live these amazing lives and feel how they're feeling, I want to feel that way too. So I did this business coaching program. And in that program, there was a guest workshop about chanting. At this point, I didn't know shit about chanting. I didn't even know what the fuck chanting was. So. I almost didn't go. And (laughs) I always think about that. I'm like, what if I didn't go to that workshop? It's fine. The universe would have brought me to Yarrow another way, but I ended up showing up. And as soon as Yarrow started speaking, my whole body felt seen, felt heard. It just resonated in every cell of my being. She was talking about TV addiction. I was struggling with TV addiction. She was talking about attachment wounding. I had just broken up with my partner where I had gotten so deeply triggered in that relationship because of my anxious attachment. And I immediately messaged in the chat box and said, do like, do you have openings for one-on-one? And she was talking about her group program, her signature program, the art of connecting And I just knew in that moment, because I was in such a like broken place from this breakup and from all of these deep, deep wounds coming out in this relationship. That's why, you know, to the outside world, relationships can look quote unquote toxic, but it's not actually toxic because every single relationship can serve us and teach us. And there were points in this relationship where I would look at my partner and be like, I think this is what toxic relationships feel like. I think this is what people are talking about. But that relationship also had so many beautiful components. And I'm actually still friends with him to this day. It's the first ex I've ever been able to be friends with. So shout out, you know who you are. But essentially it really taught me so much about what needed to be healed. And this was after me being in therapy for years. So I reached out to Yaro. I said, I need to work with you. Keep in mind, I had quit both of my therapy jobs. And when I talk about the universe helping me inch towards alignment, 
the universe literally helped me leave my two therapy jobs. It was unreal. Like you can't make this stuff up. So real quick, the first one, I was at the DBT center and energy is everything. So people can pick up on energy. So my boss wrote me an email saying, I need, you know, I'm scheduling a call with you. We need a chat. And so I'm like, oh shit, like what's happening? Am I getting fired? And she basically just said, we feel like you don't want to be here anymore. And I said, you're absolutely right. I don't want to be here. And so she gave me three options. She said, you can either work with non-DBT clients. You can recommit to DBT because DBT is a full on treatment that requires a level of commitment and learning and um, time and energy. It involves phone coaching where clients can call you in between sessions, which again was preparing me for the business I have now where I Voxer clients in between sessions, but it was working with a really high risk population. So if a client was feeling like they were having suicidal thoughts or, um, urges or behaviors, they would call. So it was a little bit more of a high intensity job. So she said, or option three is you give us your notice. And I said, okay, I'm going to sit with it. And I knew immediately I wanted to give my notice, but I was like, well, I haven't started, you know, I just started this coaching pro uh, business program. I don't have a job. Like, how am I going to do this? And I was like, maybe I should take the option where I can just see non-DBT clients. It'll be a little bit lighter, a little bit easier. But my soul was like, fuck no, she's giving you an out. Fucking take the out. And then simultaneously, I was running these DBT groups virtually for a practice in Long Island. And the group essentially that I was trying to form, because basically we had to find the clients um, and we had to create these groups the group that I was trying to form, it essentially just fell apart. And the universe just couldn't be more clear because in both of those jobs, I had incredibly abusive, uh, abusive bosses. And I was so miserable and I felt so just not supported and not, not aligned. And I was so ready to get out like literally so desperate that I joined an MLM. Like that's how desperate I was to get out of the field. It just was like sucking my soul, but I knew that I still wanted to be a therapist. So I was like, how can I figure this out? So I ended up quitting both of my therapy jobs and three weeks into starting my business. So I had gotten my first, <laughs> I love telling this story. It just makes my heart so happy from that quote unquote, what people would call from the outside toxic relationship I was in, which actually wasn't toxic. It was so deeply healing. I had met my first client in person. We were doing a photo shoot for my neighbor and she and I ended up talking. And before I even launched my signature one-on-one -on -one healing program called Insight, you can read about it in the link in my bio. I had messaged this girl that I met and I said, I just wanted to let you know, you know, I, I saw that you commented on my thing that you're struggling with anxiety. I just want to let you know about my coaching services. We had a call. She was like, yep, I want to pay in full for three months. And that exact amount that she paid was the same amount that I invested in my business coaching program that I had put on a credit card because I had no income to actually invest in that program. So. I will never forget that day. I literally was jumping up and down, screaming around my apartment, went back to the old apartment because at this point I'd already moved out and my 
former partner was still living there. I like went to him. We just started like crying and hugging and screaming. And like, it, it was just like this unforgettable moment of like, this can happen. There's someone that actually wants to pay me for my coaching services and going from the girl that got paid 27 a session to work with really high risk patients to getting paid a package of my starting rate was 1500 because my business coach had advised me to do like the starting rate was a thousand. And I was like, I have so much training. I have so much experience. A thousand doesn't feel aligned. I'm going to go for it. And she was like, wow. Okay. Like she was kind of surprised because usually new coaches, they don't even feel comfortable charging a thousand, especially therapists who have been in the therapy field. Like where, you know, at most I was making 27 a session. I think they gave me like a $2 raise at 1.29 a session. Still, it was not, it was not enough for what I was doing. It was not a fair energy exchange. So this moment was so unforgettable. And three weeks after signing my first insight coaching client, I had my discovery call with Yarrow. I immediately knew I needed to work with her. I put $1,500 because she charged the same amount that I did. So I, I put that same amount on my credit card. I told her I don't have any income. <laughs> I just had this one client. So that's the only income I have. And I know that I need to do this work. And it was the best investment, the best intentional choice of debt, the best thing I've ever put on my credit card in my life. Because fast forward a year and a half of working together, I've met with Yaro every single week, every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> That's my Yaro time for a weekly session. I Voxer her every day. And she has become such a primary attachment for me as I heal my anxious attachment wound. And it's interesting because this, the sides and the parts and all basically all these versions of myself that I've been uncovering only a romantic partner has seen because a romantic partner is oftentimes the same level of intimacy that as children we have with our primary caregivers. So our parents or whoever's taking care of us during childhood. So this shows up in romantic relationships because then that romantic partner becomes the primary attachment instead of our parents. In this case, Yarrow has become a primary attachment. And so it would feel confusing at first of like, oh my God, how am I like responding and relating and the same stuff is coming up with my anxious attachment with her the way it would with a partner. And I realize it's because it's not just a parent. It's not just a romantic partner. It's really anyone that you develop an intimate relationship with the person that sees all of you, who you talk to when you're most triggered, when you're most excited, when like really seeing all parts and surrendering to the relationship with her has been incredibly challenging at times because she holds a mirror up for me, for me to really see myself. And I've gotten to know parts of myself that I didn't even know existed. And I've gotten to heal my anxious attachment in deeper and deeper layers. And Yarrow and I have not always had the easiest time. I have not always been the easiest client to work with. 
Um, she has triggered me many times, which is actually one of her superpowers. Like she's not afraid to say the hard things. And she's said to me many hard things that sometimes I would get defensive about, or sometimes I would project onto her. Sometimes I would feel invalidated and then, you know, try and get my needs met. And we've uncovered so much about my childhood wounds and trauma and how the leukemia and my parents' divorce and my anxious attachment with my mom all played a role in this. And it's been so reparative. And so this is why I preach all the time about the power of long-term mentorship, because not only has, have I begun to really get to know myself in a just like a whole other level, but I've gotten to truly experience relational healing and realize that this is what this work is all about, to feel safe with another human, to feel fully seen with another human. It is the most valuable thing in the world. And because of that, in doing my own deep healing, I was able to learn this healing method that she's taught me. She was trained directly by Dr. Gabor Mate, who is a world-renowned trauma, addictions, childhood trauma expert. And I had thought about doing his program. And then I was like, I think she's taught me pretty much everything I need to know. And she's also had many, many years of, you know, healing of her own and just life experience that has led her to become such a powerful healer and mentor for me. So she, through doing this work on myself, she taught me how to do this work with my clients. And so it's the gift that keeps on giving because now I get to work with my clients in a more effective way. Those first three weeks that I had my first client before I met Yarrow, you know, I was still helping her. I was setting goals. I was doing all the things. But when I started using the, the healing modality that Yarrow has trained me in, which is really getting you into your body, getting you connected to your inner child, allowing you to build internal safety around feeling emotions. It gets to the root. It collapses time. It helps you feel safe to not only heal, but expand and truly create the vision for your life. And I started noticing how quickly it was working for people. They started leaving sessions, feeling way less anxious, being able to choose and relate differently. And it was just this magnificent, transformation of both myself and then my clients and led me to where I'm at today, which is still having my insight program, but also feeling safe enough to expand in my group programs and my retreats and even filming this podcast. And it truly has only just begun. So I have a morning tea live all about surrendering to long-term mentorship, getting to do life with someone and it's just the most beautiful thing being able to do life with Yarrow and then also being able to then take what I learned from my relationship with her and pass that down where my clients get to reap the benefits. And this is why it's so important for healers to walk the walk because there's a big difference between, you know, telling someone, oh, this is what I suggest you do versus sharing from a place of, I have walked where you have walked. I have been where you have been. I have felt what you are feeling. And I know the way, the only way out is through. And I am here with you in your pain, helping you feel safe to be with those feelings so that we can heal and shift and expand. 
there is something so incredibly powerful about co-regulating with another safe nervous system. Because in the therapy world, I was showing up burnt out and resentful and exhausted. And it's like, I had nothing to give my clients and that wasn't fair to them. And I only helped them as far as I was able to actually help myself. And so that's the ironic part about being in a mental health field is like the therapists are not actually encouraged to take care of themselves. Whereas now I am able to charge what I charge, create the schedule I want to create because I know the importance of me showing up, feeling full, feeling okay, feeling like I've taken care of myself. And don't get me wrong, entrepreneurship, building a healing business, it's been one of the hardest things in my life. It feels like I've literally birthed a baby into the world. <laughs> like when people ask if I have children, no, but I have my inner child and I have my business. When people ask if I'm dating, no, because I have my inner, my inner child and my business. Like I have had laser focus because I can't have any distractions if I want to actually create what I want to create in this life. Like right now it's almost 11 PM at night and I'm recording this podcast instead of sleeping. Is that necessarily role modeling, great boundaries around self-care and sleep? No, but it's just to show that like creating and committing to myself and my business, it's something that just lights me up so much that rather than staying up late binging TV, I sometimes choose to stay up late to create and to record and to use my voice and my wisdom and share with the world. And that's such a different experience. And that's such a different energy. So co-regulating with a safe nervous system, being able to have worked on my own shit so that I'm not projecting it all over my clients so that I'm able to really see what's mine, what's theirs. You know, it's, it's just so important. And so really my mission is to be able to role model for other healers. Like you can still do what you love. You can still do your passion and also be compensated for it and also do it in a way that actually feels aligned. And that's one of my favorite parts about doing this work with my clients is showing them what's possible. The limits that your mind creates that your nervous system wired through survival and scarcity creates they're not actually real. It just means that you need the safety to actually feel safe, to take those steps, to stretch your nervous system, to stretch your window of tolerance so that you can relate from your adult self rather than your activated inner child. So you can relate from a powerful place rather than from just your ego. So you can relate from a place of, I am going to take inspired action rather than allowing my dreams and my dream life to just remain a fantasy because that's what I did for so long. So shout out again to Yaro for being my rock throughout this year and a half of building this baby, <laughs> raising this baby to where she is today and for showing me that it is so very possible to have a reparative healing attachment Building a secure attachment with her has allowed me to build a secure attachment with myself. And because I've built a secure attachment with myself and I continue to do so, I'm able to help show clients how they can build a secure attachment with themselves. And then that changes how they relate to people in their life. And then that changes. And it's just this domino effect. And this is how we heal and shift the world because we are not meant to live in survival mode. 
We are meant to feel safe to actually live and only be in survival mode when we actually need to be, which is really like not often. <laughs> like 90% of the time we are safe, more than 90%. Like most of the time we are actually safe, but we live through our defenses, through our ego, through our projections, through our fear, rather than actually living the way that we want to live and feeling the way that we want to feel. There's nothing more important than really focusing on how do I want to feel and allowing our hearts to open to believing that we can feel how we want to feel. So that is a little bit about how I ended up talking to you all right now in this moment with Rachel Kelly coaching my just baby of a business that has grown into a full-blown toddler this year and is just continuing to grow and grow and grow. And it's so amazing. I couldn't be more grateful for it. It has truly been a dream come true. Um, I will also share that since leaving the therapy world, I have decided to, uh, I burned all of my licensure papers. I'm no longer getting licensed. And that is going to be a uh, story for another episode. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I hope this was helpful for you to really hear about my own relationship with my mentor and how that has been such a beautiful template and blueprint for how I'm able to relate and model that for my own clients. Relational healing and attachment healing is literally everything. It is the blueprint that runs your life, whether you are conscious of it or not. So I hope this inspires you to really look at where is your attachment wounding showing up? Where are you leaning into investing in yourself and mentorship and allowing others to fully see you? And where has that not felt safe? And as always, let's end this episode by taking a deep breath together, just noticing what's happening in your body as you're hearing all this, noticing how it's landing for you. So breathing all the way in and slowly exhaling, knowing that you are so safe, you are so seen, you are so loved, you are so fucking magical and so powerful, more powerful than you know. So take time to come home to yourself each and every day. If you are looking for support in learning how to come home to yourself, please head to the link in my bio to see the various ways of doing this work with me. I have group programs, one-on-one retreats, all of the things. So reach out. My DMs are always open. And thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you in the next episode. Love you all so, so much.